welcome to the Millennial Falcon, <laughs> where pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. One of us is in Vietnam this week, and so the two of us remaining are just gonna chill and hang out. Uh, I'm Willoughby Dobbs, and on the other side of the call with me is Anya Crittenton, and we are without our our lovely. Uh, perhaps our more eloquent co-hosts, oh, HT. So HT, this is going to be a... HT is, HT is far more eloquent than I can ever yeah, possibly. Yeah, uh, she's like more eloquent and she sounds so much smarter than me. And I'm just like, well, without her, it's just going to be the two of us just being goofball. So Yeah. Um, yeah, um, but she's off in Vietnam and people are very disappointed that she doesn't speak Vietnamese, so... Yeah, according to her, to her Twitter, um, I hope she had a she had a I want to say 50 hour f- plane ride that circled the globe a couple times, and she was she was asking for um, podcast recommendations. So I, I hope HT wherever you are that you listened to at least 17 hours of the Adventure Zone. Hey, uh, what's up? Do you know what? What? Even if HT didn't start the Adventure Zone. I did. Uh, I can do that. Oh, I yeah. know. But, like, okay, so, for anyone who doesn't know, Willoughby, you got into the McElroy Brothers when? Um, Around May of 2017. Okay, and then you started listening to the Adventure Zone then as well, or did you start listening to it later? I started listening to My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and I went through, like, a backlog of that. And so I think around July, like late July, I started listening to the Adventure Zone, and yeah, they and were still like, on their they were they were finishing up their first campaign, which is now known as Balance, um, right around the time that I started, and because they were like hyping it on their podcast, um, so I was like, oh, I should listen to it, and then I listened to, to it, um, and fell in love with that story, and fell and fell even more deeply in, in love with the McElroy as like a content brand. Um, and basically ever since have been, you know, kind of like telling everybody that they should listen to them because they're very good. Um, they have a lot of podcasts that they do with the, each other and their wives and Griffin and Justin McElroy were working at Polygon for a long time and they were actually co-founders of it. And they start, they had Monster Factory, which is their video series where they just take character generators and just no middle, middle sliders. So their characters just become crazy abominations and it's incredibly good comedy um they still do monster factory even though they don't work at polygon anymore um and they started a new they they did Taz amnesty which is their second arc that lasted about 18 months and now we're on to Taz graduation which is the third campaign uh in our third season i should say and anya i believe you started with graduation yeah yeah so i remember you it was one of your really likes and you like gushed about it and I was like, mm-hmm. all right, like I take Willoughby's recommendations like pretty highly. And I was like, all right, I'll, like I'll add it to the like the list and stuff. But I, you know, it wasn't like a high priority. Like I'm not a big D and D person, and I'm behind on podcasts as it is. And you know, they were in the middle of a campaign, and I didn't want to deal with all of that. So I have friends who are really into D and D, and like they have been kind of easing me into it, just like telling me about it and stuff. Like I created a D and D character, and um. My best friend Leah is moving out here from Orlando, and so we might actually try playing, like, like actually doing D&D together with some of our other friends. I'm, like, very intimidated by it, but some sort of easing into it. Um, and 
Willoughby, you were like, you know, you could really check out the Adventure Zone. Um, and I didn't want to go back and listen to the past campaign with a lot of content. I already consume a lot of content. I don't got time for that. And you were like, well, they have a new season starting soon. So, like, you can just start there. And so I just, I waited and I waited and then the graduation started. And I think you can confirm, Willoughby, that I was pretty much in love from the first episode. Yep. It was very good. I was very excited. <laughs> I just like kept messaging you, being like, oh my god. Um, and so now I have also subscribed to my brother, my brother and me on my podcast app. I haven't started listening to it yet, but like I have it, it's there and I want to soon. Because um, I can already tell just from the Adventure Zone that these brothers are just like quality people. And I really appreciate them and their sense of humor. I love, my one of my favorite things about the Adventure Zone is how much they laugh at each other's, like, jokes, and, yeah. like, they clearly get such a kick out of each other, and it's really, really charming and delightful and, like, heartwarming. Yeah. And they I really, really love they, it. They, like, they, like, that's, and that's all Bam, my brother, my brother, and me for short, does, is they just goof, and they just laugh at each other's goofs, and it's so funny, and, like, the jokes that they make have such an impact on like their fandom that like their merch is all based on inside jokes and bits and stuff so, like if you ever heard shrimp heaven now that comes from the McElroys like Lin-Manuel Miranda is like their best friend they actually knew him before Hamilton came out they were oh my big... god I didn't know he that a... he was a big fan of them and so he listened to them and while he was like making in the heights and stuff and he reached out he was actually on the show as a guest before hamilton even dropped he was talking about working on it when he was on the show and and since he became like a, a huge superstar like he reached he he's still like big fans of them he was on their television show um he he got he goes to all their new york live shows like he does like a fun song or something like uh most recently he did a parody of we didn't start the fire with like McElroy jokes and stuff it was very fun very cute um and he's like like their biggest like celebrity supporter like friend like just you know like they'll he'll retweet like jokes that they say on twitter it's like it's a really like fun relationship um and, and they're pretty like humble about it too like and he got to they all got to hang out at Comic-Con and, like, meet Kristen Bell because, like, they're friends and stuff. It was very cool. Um, it's really awesome. fun to see That's how... So cute. I did not know any of this, and now I, like, love them even more. Yeah, they're, I... like, I mean, they're they're huge. Like, at least Travis is a huge theater kid. He majored in theater. Um, and, like, they they all did, like, community theater growing up. Their dad's a big radio personality at, in West Virginia. Yeah, they're, that's like, what I've heard. Yeah, and so and like they grew up in West Virginia and then moved moved out to different places. They all like they all live in different cities, and it's really funny. Uh, J- Justin still lives in West Virginia, but um, in their hometown, Travis lives in Cincinnati, and Griffin lives in Austin, Texas, and their dad also lives in Huntington. So like they're just they just podcast and they have That's so they just cute. they. Yeah, and like the one, like they've they started podcasting because like they missed each other, um, and that and my brother, my brother and me became like, um, like a multi-million, like not not millionaires, but like multi-million like fandom, I guess. Like I don't know 
Right. It like they're one of the top podcasts. Sensation. Yeah. So yeah. what are, um, so I haven't started listening to that one yet. Um, I definitely want to. And, and from there, I'm sure I'll be able to deem my favorite McElroy brother, which I know is a thing. Um, so far, Griffin is my top one only because he's playing my favorite character in um, graduation in the adventure zone um, because I would die for such Sir Fitzroy Maplecourt. Um, he is everything to me. He is my failed hero son and I love him very much. Um, what are you thinking of graduation? I really like it. Um, I, I, it's, uh, even though I really loved Amnesty and the way that they used, um, a system called Powered by the Apocalypse to, and Monster of the Week was the game system. Um, and it, so it's, it wasn't D&D, but it was still like dice rolling and, but it was mu- very minor dice rolling. Um, that's what I like about the adventure zone is that it is like mm-hmm. first and foremost like storytelling and like improv yeah it's and very it's much like D&D is sort of like a second like a secondary aspect of it so even if you're not like a hardcore D&D like you can still get it yeah they don't do the critical role three three to four hour episodes where it's all very like intense and I've tried driven critical role and I just can't do it and I think it's I think it's for that reason but like they edit they uh, the McElroys edit their episode down to like an hour hour and a half and they do they do dice rolling like that definitely happens and like when you get into like in like the past with balance when they got into battles like that became definitely like where most of the dice rolling happened and where and all that but like for the most part like this it's it's about creating a story and at least by now it's about creating a story whereas the first like arc of uh the adventure zone is basically them just like dorking around like Griffin didn't really have a story until like the, th- like the second or third arc um, in that campaign. And, uh, but now like now that they're seasoned veterans of the tabletop podcasting genre, like it's clear from the first episode that Travis who is now DMing has like a story in mind. And right. um, it's really interesting to and see the Griffin. Story just is, in the team. is extensive. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, they said they've been they've been spending like months on this campaign. So like they're definitely it's like incredible. They've already. Yeah. Yeah. Like even though there, there's been a lot of like, pre, like pre-production or something, I'd say like they haven't they like they record the episodes pretty close to the release date. So it's not like they have got like a backup of like ten episodes, which is helpful because then they can get listener feedback and see like what's working and what's not working. Um, and they've been very they've been they they're always extraordinarily receptive to audience feedback um whether it be praise or constructive criticism um and so i'm really excited they're also really like at least from what i can tell uh really good about uh inclusion of like non-binary characters as well as um characters of color and characters who don't identify as straight um and so it's and also at least with this arc, there is a uh, disabled character who has a like magical wheelchair, which is really cool, really exciting. Yeah. Um, and so like they've and, and like they they'll be the first ones to say like in 2010 they were not the most quote unquote woke people. Uh, they've uh, they said they they don't dis- disown the first hundred episodes of their podcast, but they definitely uh, criticize themselves and they uh, have learned a lot and have grown as people in the right. last decade. And so like, 
if you listen, like the they did a best of like of their first like hundred episodes, and they basically were like, these are the bits that we can still like say that are not problematic and stuff. Um, and so like they they're very conscious of of where they've come from in terms of their comedy and, and where they're where they're at now. Um, like there's they're three straight white cis men from West Virginia who you know you know that's kind of sheltered in terms of like inter like like basically like talking to other people who are not just like them so they've they've had a lot of growing and learning and and they still grow and learn we all do we're all growing and learning um but they've they're they're really good they're uh, like their fan their fan base is very diverse and i went to their live shows when they were in dc and like everyone there was you know so cool and like you didn't look like me, you know? Um, right, right. I mean, I mean, one of the things that encouraged me definitely to listen to it, you know, because I knew it was run by, like, you know, straight, cis, white men and stuff, and I asked, you know, like, how's the diversity and stuff and whatnot, and you told me all this, and I have other friends, you know, who are queer, who really love them, so I was like, okay, like, uh, they seem, like, you know, vetted by people I trust, and they have a diverse fan base, and so I was like, okay, it seems like I can, you know, like, trust this and like really get into them and they are they are all these things you say they just they come off as so genuine and so open and you know and and caring and you know willing to listen and I just really love them do you have a favorite McElroy brother uh it's Griffin Griffin okay he is the one I I guess identify the most with he's also the youngest he's got he's got extreme little brother energy which is also something that I have um because I'm a little brother um so like I, I'm I'm vibing with him Griffin Griffin's great and then do you have a favorite character in graduation so far oh uh Justin's character uh the the fear bulg who doesn't have a name bud bud either bud or redacted or just it's so funny um but no he's so good because he's like middle brother oldest brother justin is the oldest brother travis is the middlest brother and griffin is the babyest brother okay my friend leo was trying to describe trying to say all this to me and i'm like i'm still getting a hang of everyone who everyone is and where they all fit a a big a big uh common issue with a lot of new fans is discerning voices because they all they're all brothers so they all have like the same vocal cords just you know different (laughs) I find it really hard with Justin and Travis. Griffin has yeah. sort of a higher pitch. Um, he has that younger yeah. brother, like baby boy still, even though he's an adult man. Um, even though he is 32. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, Justin and and uh, Travis are hard for me. And I mean, their dad too, to an extent. Because like their dad yeah. has like this really great radio voice. So like he sounds like a lot younger, and I think. And like he sounds like his son's ages. And I'm like, what? Yeah, he's like in his sixties and seventies. So, uh, yeah, he's definitely not young, but it's uh very fun to he- hear them all interact. And I'm really glad that you're getting involved with them in their episode, in their like content and stuff. And I definitely well, recommend good. everything that they do. Like, yeah, uh, I definitely. I, I'm gonna start my brother, my brother, me. I'm gonna possibly get into like the um the side podcast that they do with their wives. So I'll see about that. But like so far, I'm just really loving yeah. it. Because because then because the the Mackle wives as they're re- commonly known as like they're also great they're like amazing people who have definitely like helped the brothers like also grow as people <laughs> right um but they're they're Sydney is Justin's wife and she's a doctor 
Teresa, I'm not entirely sure what she does, but her, um, her, uh, she's a host with Travis on Schmanners, which is their etiquette and protocol, um, podcast, um, and then, or etiquette and manners, I should say, protocol, etiquette and protocols, what C3PO does. Um, and then, uh, Griffin does uh, Wonderful, which is a podcast with his wife, Rachel, and they just basically talk about, they bring two things that they really love that week, um, and it's just, they do like a deep dive on like whatever topic it is, and it's really fun. So Griffin brings a lot, a lot of like music he listens to, and then uh, Rachel has like a poetry corner section where she like brings in poetry to read. It's really cute, um, and yeah, it's uh, really all the podcasts that they do is very, are very good. Um, yeah, I, I can't stress enough to people who haven't gotten on, who haven't listened to the McElroys yet to listen to the McElroys. I got Melissa to listen to the Adventure Zone last year. Um, and she's also some, she's also like, she hasn't, the, like the time commitment has gotten away from her. Cause it's just, it's a lot of content. I understand. And if you don't have the ability to like binge listen to the episodes, it's hard to do, but she's now getting around to the finale balance and, like we had a we had a um, two four hour bus rides yesterday, which I'll get into it a little bit. That she, so she was like catching up on that, and she's like six episodes away from the end. It's really cool. It's, it's exciting. Yay. But yeah, I mean, like the story already in graduation is great. Like they're teasing, you know, like you know secrets and like bigger stories being unfolded in this world, and the production quality is amazing. So I'm just like very impressed, and I think it's really great. I normally do not listen to fiction. Uh, podcast. I'm very like narrative podcast. I'm very much a nonfiction podcast listener. Um, but I'm really into this so far, and I can't wait to listen to more, and more podcasts. And I'm sure you and I, Willoughby, will be like gushing about them a lot more in the future because I love it all so much already. Um, so thank you for recommending it to me. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for more. Um... And for, I guess if you, if you haven't listened to last week's episode, which is when we talked about graduation as you're really like, it's basically fantasy magic college, like like sky high, but with magic right? Uh, and like Hogwarts, like if like if Hogwarts had a college, but instead of like magic per se, it's really more like heroes and villains school, um, which is where the sky high references can come in. Um and the the conceit of it being like you are hired as a hero or a villain to go to a town and basically like create adventures and story for the townspeople and citizens who are like you know to basically like keep the peace they have like this like fake hero and villain i mean like i guess you're you know you're not like acting or anything but it's a little bit like that so it's 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 this weird amalgamation of all these different things that are really well, well, interesting, very interesting. Right, right, yeah. I'm so excited. Um, so speaking of, you know, things that we've gotten each other into, so I'm now getting into the Adventure Zone and the McElroy Brothers in general. Um, so something that you have recently started that I have loved for a while, and now, you know, I'm excited you're getting into, is uh, the new Disney series, DuckTales. So tell me, so tell me when you started it, how far are you? What's going on? I I wish I was farther enough to have more to talk about. Um, I've only watched the first couple episodes, 
but I think now I didn't watch them in the right order because I watched them on like Wednesday or Thursday. And then on Friday, someone was like, Hey, they got duck ducktails to be in the right order now. And so now I think I have to go back. Okay. Cause I think, cause, cause I, I, what I, I just started right from the very beginning of whatever Disney plus had ducktails at. So, but then, so I like watched those three or four episodes and then a couple of days later, someone said, oh, now they, they fixed the DuckTales order. So now I think I have to uh, go back and I'll skip the ones I've already watched. But like, I really like the episodes I did watch are really good. Um, I watched the, the first one was them running around their house and Donald was trying to generate power for his boat. I don't know if that was the first episode in real life, but like, uh, yeah. And then Webby is really cool. She's like my favorite. Webby. She's, I love her. She's so pure. Um, and then Dewey is also very good. He's like was, one on, on like a mission. I was going to say, out of the triplets, which one is your favorite? They are all wonderful in their own ways, but there is only one correct answer about the favorites. I'm guessing it's Dewey because it's I like Dewey. him the most. Dewey is the best. I love that child. I mean, I Voice also really... Ben Schwartz. By Ben Schwartz, who is going to be Sonic. So it's very interesting. Who's also Jean Ralphio in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Um, and then Bobby Moynihan is... Louie. Is Louie. Mm-hmm. And then uh, well, Danny Pudi is uh, uh, Louie. Huey. Huey. It took me a while to like parse him out. Like Louie was always easy for me because he's the green evil one and he just like kind of stands out. Um, and Louie is so he's the green triplet, the evil triplet voiced by Bobby Moynihan and then Huey and Dewey. Evil triplet. He is the evil triplet. He calls himself that like he, he knows. Um, and Huey and Dewey are like the more do-getters and that's uh, Dewey is blue, Huey is red. And it's Ben Schwartz is Dewey and Danny Pudi is Huey. Um, but they're also wonderful in their own ways. David Tennant Scrooge is so fun. Oh, it's so much good. He's like, I'm so glad that they're like, can you be Scottish? And he's like, can I? He's like, can I ever? Yeah. And um, Beck Bennett is great as Launchpad. And I can't wait till you meet Lin-Manuel Miranda's character. I mean, if you did you watch the original DuckTales? Unfortunately, I think I only caught like episodes on Disney when they aired, but I didn't. I was never a fan per se. So okay, like I yeah, knew so... I knew Ducktales existed, and I like watched like whenever the, I think Disney Junior or Disney Channel proper had episodes of Ducktales playing, but I never like sat down to watch Ducktales and like and, like I never watched it like consistently. So yeah. I know uh, I know who Huey, Dewey, and Louie are, and I know that they went on like adventures and stuff, and it was all very like fun and i knew Scroo- scrooge mcduck had a, a had a, a a vault full of his gold that he could swim in like that was i knew like the basics of ducktales but i didn't know i don't know the lore of ducktales right. that's fair no yeah because like it's like what I, mostly what i was getting at is that lin-manuel miranda he played them gizmo duck um who is a character in like the original DuckTales series so it's like it's a lot of these characters are not new um, they are characters that, like, fans will recognize, but it's fun to see them reimagined in new ways. The animation is really beautiful. Um, I think it's actually, like, genuinely very funny, the comedy in this show. I'm a big fan of, and the voice 
work is like great. They got um, jokes. They have jokes. They got jokes, kids. You gotta laugh. Um, and you know, as you watch more of it, you will come to see this, but like they actually get into like season long arcs and like stories that like, you know, they have their bottle episodes and they have their like adventure of the week, but like there are overarching stories that happen as well, which I think are really uh, wonderfully done. Um, Cause you know, you have to do that for a child audience, like a younger audience and have them understand everything. But like, you know, Disney also have to understand that like adults like us who grew up on this are going to also be watching it. And so, you know, they have to balance their storytelling to be, you know, kind of understood for everyone at every level, but like, um thorough and complex enough to like keep people engaged and i think this show does all that really well yay i'm excited to watch more um i wish yeah. i had more time over the this weekend to to catch up on ducktales but i've been busy with other things as well which i want to get into yes there are um, so many so many things to get into um i just wanted to say lastly what did i want to say Oh, I've completely blanked on like the last little comment I wanted to make about Duckdale. Was it about was it about Donald? Was it about Oh, Scrooge? it actually was about Donald. I wanna say wait until you get to the episode where you get to meet teenage Donald Duck. Oh, interesting. Before um, he was a veteran. Before um, he was a yeah. sailor. Yeah. Uh teenage Donald Duck. It's one of the best episodes. It's so great. So just just look forward to that it's in season two and it is delightful beyond words do do non-duck characters show up like does goofy or mickey like make appearances like cameo appearances so far no um i mean obviously there are like non-duck characters because you have like the beagle right and stuff. but like yeah um no like no one else from like the disney canon because i i i i'm not sure I'd have to, like, look into this, but, like, I don't know if, like, Mickey and Goopy, like, exist in the DuckTales universe. Yeah, it's always very, it, like, there was, like, I know in, like, the 90s there was Goof Troop yes. and DuckTales. And and then and then in a Goofy movie, which is, like, a low-key sequel to Goof Troop, they're, like, like Mickey and Donald show up, but just in cameo appearances. Right. And, like, Duckburg has dogs and ducks as like the base of like the two like animal species in terms of like human you know anthropomorphic humans yeah or animals i should say um so like it's it like to my mind it's like oh if they wanted to have a goofy uh cameo they could because it's like established that like anthropomorphized dog characters are in fact in this universe this is so weird right but i don't Um, but i don't know because it's like right there was like ducktales there's goof troop there was also like mighty ducks and well that's that's like completely like non-disney i mean it's disney but it's not donald duck ducks no 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 but it's still like it's still it's still anthropomorphized ducks yeah that's like you know are on a hockey team and also space travelers i loved that show yeah but it was bonkers i loved that show but then there was also like um wasn't because i feel like launchpad who is in ducktales i believe is also in tailspin which is another donald duck show no tailspin is so fucking weird because it has 
Baloo from the Jungle Book in it. Okay. Um, so Tailspin, Tailspin was so fun. Um, oh, I love it. here, folks. Um, so. Joy. Yeah. So, oh no, maybe Tailspin was just Baloo. Maybe Launchpad wasn't in Tailspin. Tailspin. Okay. Yes. Yeah, there was a DuckTales show that wasn't DuckTales, right? There was, like, Huey, Dewey, and Louie were in a different show? Maybe. God, now there's, like, so much. So, Tailspin, maybe Launchpad wasn't in Tailspin. I'm making that up. But Tailspin, the main character, was Baloo, which is, like, what? From Jungle Book. From the Jungle Book. Like, it's so bonkers, which is also another Disney show. Bonkers. <laughs> So here's the thing, folks. Disney Plus launched on Tuesday, and we are, we are inundated with over 600 titles of our childhood and modern day, and we're all just we're all just strapping in for. Can a, I real quick? A, can I can I read you Baloo's full name from Tailspin? Is it not just Baloo? It's Baloo von Bruinwald, the thirteenth. <gasps> Baloo von Brunwald the 13th? Yes. Is he, like, like second second to the Wilhelm Kaiser? Like, what the hell? <laughs> I don't is know. Baloo, is Baloo German royalty? What's going on here? I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> I just wanted to give you that fact. It's a good fact to have. I'm glad I know it. Uh, um, but there was also, like, Darkwing Duck who is in the DuckTales universe. So okay. it's, I don't really know how all these shows, like how they all interact. And there, oh no, that was Daffy. Daffy, Daffy Duck has. Oh, and then you that, were, you were thinking of Quack Pack. Quack Pack, that's right. Which is Donald and the Nephews. Yes, and that's like the, modern sequent uh sequel series or something that or like reinvention that wasn't that happened in like the early 2000s it was like a quack pack i remember quack pack yeah that premiered in 96 okay so it was like later than ducktales yes um so yes okay so yeah leading off of this we'll be watching the new ducktales series which is great um, which is a, a reboot of the DuckTales from uh, back in the day, back in the uh, 80s. And Disney had all these afternoon uh, animated shows, which I like grew up on and are wonderful. And you can watch some of them now on the new streaming service, Disney Plus, which allegedly, according to Disney, uh, had 10 million subscribers on the first day. I bet. I, I believe that because believe there too. was a lot of issues. A lot of people had issues. I got three, I got six emails from Disney saying that my my account had changed and I don't know what that meant. And I was in a tailspin <laughs> uh, <laughs> for the first morning, basically being like, did it, did it get hacked? 30 minutes after I signed up, what's the deal here? Um, and it, and I like Twitter searched that. And it turns out like a lot of people were getting these like like just automatic automatic emails from Disney uh, Plus saying that their account had changed. Some people were getting like over a hundred of those emails, and so like at that point, I just sort of uh, cropped it out to like just you know uh, you know just uh, email issues or whatever, like technical issues on the server, and not like a mass hacking. 
Uh, and I mean, it, it, people who were upset about that, it, I don't really understand because for me, it's like, of course there were going to be problems. Like anytime something rolls out as like a massive launch and like millions of people sign up for it, there are always going to be problems because it's going to get overwhelmed and it's going to take, yeah. you know, there are always going to be like little bugs at the beginning. So I didn't understand why people were upset about that, but you know, whatever. Um, but yeah. So do you have Disney plus? I do. Yeah. That's how I watch DuckTales. Oh, um, right. Right. So what have you been watching on Disney plus? So I want, oh, hey, your dog just came back in the background of your, of your he picture. Did. That's he very, he wanted, he he's wanted very, to say hello. Hello, Ajax. Ajax he's is a, very good. He's a good boy. Um, uh, he's a good boy. Uh, and, uh, first thing I watched on Disney plus was, an ep- was the Emperor's New Groove. Yeah. That's oh. what we did. Uh, because we were, my girlfriend and I were just like browsing through, and so she picked Emperor's New Groove to inaugurate. Oh no, I should say the very first thing I watched on Disney Plus was The Mandalorian. Um, I, I watched was that. Say, I figured that would be the first thing. But the first thing we watched that wasn't The Mandalorian was Emperor's New Groove, and since then I've watched episodes of Rebels, um, and Ducktales, and the second episode of The Mandalorian as well as some Clone Wars episodes. Yeah. So I'm sort of like testing, watching things that I haven't watched yet. I have a watch list uh, on Disney Plus now. Uh, Pete, the new Pete's Dragon movies on that. It's as so well good. as um, all the Star Wars stuff. Uh, they have all the Star Wars movies except The Last Jedi, which is sort of incredible um, that like we are now in a position to stream Star Wars movies, which have been uh, up until the last couple of years, uh, incredibly hard to watch online. You could only buy the Blu-ray and then watch it on Blu-ray and DVD. Um, and then they, a couple of years ago, did like digital copies of of Star Wars that you could buy for twenty dollars uh, per movie or like a seventy dollar bundle for all the movies. Um, and now they're accessible through Disney Plus, which is really cool. And Disney has all their, all, all the old titles, all the way back to Snow White, except for Song of the South. Um, and, oh, that's something else that I've been watching and listening to, is Karina Longworth's uh, uh, miniseries on You Must Remember This uh, podcast on Song of the South. Uh, yes, it's interesting. Yeah, it's sort of, she goes into a deep dive of, just how racist uh, Hollywood was. Very racist. Yep. And it's sort of it's extraordinary and really well researched and edited and uh, is telling a really dark story about uh, a company that prides itself on being like happy-go-lucky. Uh, look at us, we're Disney. Um, but the reality of the 40s and 30s was something different com- than what we're doing now. Um, yeah, no, Song of the South miniseries on, you must not remember this Disney is really Plus. good. That, that yeah, the, the movie itself is not on Disney Plus. They, they have kept that in the vault. Uh, and for some of their older movies that they have, because they're like Dumbo, Peter Pan, the Aristocats, which have, you know, very racist scenes. Um, they actually have like a content warning for them. Yeah. Um, which, you know, it, it begs, you know, the discussion of like, you know, how do we grapple with our past without 
erasing it. You know, some people think that Disney should have released edited versions that didn't have the racist scenes. But then are you, you know, erasing that history and, you know, making Disney not culpable for the decisions they made in their past? So, you know, I personally think that it's best to leave them in their unedited versions, but to, yes, to acknowledge uh, what they are um, and, you know, you know, call them out for what they are. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think that basically putting a, a little blurb saying like the you know the, what 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 happened in the past was wrong, but here it is, you know. Um, and I think the reason why they've kept things like Dumbo and the Aristocats and Peter Pan is because there's only elements of that of those movies have racist. De- depictions whereas song of the south like now that i never really thing. knew what song of the south the whole thing the whole premise of it is about the good old days was were before the the, the civil war which is just sort of insane um so i i think that they putting it locking locking it locking it into the vault and throwing away the key basically saying like listen this movie is not redeemable at all Right is uh, um is a is probably the the right choice, um, but it's yeah it's really interesting to to listen to uh you must re- remember remember this about Song of the South. Yeah, um, absolutely. What what it, what what have you been watching on Disney Plus? Do you want to hear something crazy? Yes. I don't have Disney Plus yet. What? I know, which is, which is crazy. And it, it is not for a lack of wanting it or, you, you know, anything like that. Like, I am absolutely going to get it. Like, it is, there, that, that's not even a question. It's just that, like, I've been very busy this week and, you know, I haven't had time to really sit down and watch anything on it. So I just haven't, like, gotten it yet. Um, but, you know, I want to watch The Mandalorian. I want to watch that show Encore. There are a lot of things about, like, the Disney company itself, about, like, Imagineering and the history that I want to watch. I want to go back and watch all my favorite movies and TV shows. So it's like, I'm going to be getting Disney Plus, and I'm going to be consuming a lot of content on it. I just haven't had any time this week to do so. Like, my, you know, I've been working, and my nights have been busy, and I've been catching up on other TV. And so it just hasn't been, like, a priority to get yet, um, which I know is, like, crazy to hear. Uh, especially coming from me, but I I will be getting it, um, and I'm so excited to uh, consume many a thing on it, um, and 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 you know including the Mandalorian, which I let's dive in um, a a little bit. We won't go too far because we don't want this episode to be three hours long. But like all the new Star Wars content we're getting, and kind of past Star Wars content we're getting, and both good and bad things about that um so can you give a brief uh what you think of brief little description of what you think of the mandalorian so far um yeah i i like it i think i think it's telling a very uh so far it's telling a very like uh uh, intimate story about the mandalorian uh the titular the titular role uh but not boba fett because boba fett sucks it is not Boba Fett. It is an unnamed Mandalorian bounty hunter who is tasked with uh, retrieving a bounty uh, that turns out to be something that he wasn't expecting. And for those people who haven't really listened to it, I don't want to spoil too much. You, it, um, Baby Yoda's in it. Okay. 
Yeah, there's like a there's like a small baby Yoda creature. It's not Yoda because it takes place after Return of the Jedi, but we don't know the t- the name of Yoda's species, so the internet has dubbed him Baby Yoda, which is just very cute. Which is uh, cute. it is the cutest cre- it is the it is the cutest creature on the so planet cute. Earth. Holy shit. It is a puppet. Oh my God. It's a pup um it's so adorable. It is uh cre- I believe animated and like sculpted by the same sculpture from a sculptor, is that the term? Sculptor who did um, a couple characters on the Dark Crystal, Age of Resistance. So there's some uh, Jim Henson company uh, 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 crossover there. Um, just the cutest, the cutest creature. Um, the second episode was really interesting because it was basically like uh, the Mandalorian trying to get back to the planet or that he that he came from uh-huh. but the jawas had scrapped the ship so he was like on a mission to get back at the jawas and get his stuff back um and rebuild his ship um and Ooh, the first the first like, episode was yeah it was very like scrappy yeah and like the baby yoda character is like in this like floating uh uh i'm not a parent so i don't know the word it's like carriage baby carriage is, like a float. Is, wait, is Baby Yoda is Baby Yoda not just in the first episode? Is Baby Yoda in the second episode too? Baby, well, yeah, that's the thing. It's the second episode starts immediately after the first episode. So, so it's Baby starts... Yoda is gonna be like a thing. We're gonna get to see more of Baby Yoda. I think so. <gasps> yeah, I... Baby Yoda. Baby, yeah, it's like it's telling like a a very very serialized story, um, in terms of like there's cliffhangers and there's like starting off basically from the from like the beginning. So like the first two episodes you could almost pair them together as like the pilot um in terms of like the the fact that it the, the first at least the first two episodes told the same like story. The sec- the, the end of the, the the end of the second episode seems to be broadening the horizons of the of the of the, okay. of the, the show universe. Now is Disney Plus doing binge or week to week? Week to week. However, oh, less. I love week to week. However, um, they have a weird schedule. Um, it aired on the first because Disney Plus premiered on Tuesday, with basically everything new launching at once. Tuesdays are not the release date. Fridays are. So Friday we actually got a second episode of the Mandalorian ahead of its gotcha. uh, 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 third episode, which is next Friday. Okay. Um, so the but then on on the the week that the rise of skywalker comes out the mandalorian episode that would come out that friday comes out on that wednesday the 18th so they're like they're, they they could do whatever they, they want with they their schedule but That's right true. now it's week it's weekly um and i think that gives a lot of time for people to like assess the show and uh come up with know recaps and stuff and it's not like a netflix where they just drop everything at once and then leave it it's like an ongoing it's like an event it's like event television um i think you know even though it's streaming like disney's disney has the the backing to be like look at all the stuff we got um yeah i think interestingly though so there's been new star wars content we have the mandalorian out um you know they are working on an obi-wan kenobi series we have a new video game 
new books are coming out. And there have been some interesting discussions on the internet about how like everyone is loving all this new Star Wars content. And then in response to that sort of like praise, people have noticed, yeah, well, none of this new content has female characters as the leads. None of them are really challenging Star Wars lore or kind of, you know, discussing it in sort of complex ways, the way that Ryan Johnson did with The Last Jedi. And so it is very telling, I think, that while this new content, you know, might be, you know, well-made and good and fun and we enjoy it, it is sort of telling that we don't have any new female leads in the Star Wars universe when it comes to this new content. Um, and and that it's, you know, being praised. And I wonder, you know, if, if The Mandalorian had been about a female bounty hunter, would would there be some blowback to it already? Um, I mean, definitely. I mean, you can't... We The... the, 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 the I'm trying to think. What's... Not, the rancor in the room is that there is a lot of toxic fandom in the Star Wars fandom. So, like, you know, we've had like the criticisms from the new Skywalker movies from Rogue One um, have all been very sexist and not great. Um, and the Mandalorian uh, had the first episode had a female Mandalorian uh, who seems to be in charge of like the local tribe. Um, but she was the only uh, speaking female character. And then the second episode um, due to the, the nature of it of it being a basically a two-hander between the Mandalorian and then Baby Yoda and then Nick Nolte's character shows back up um, because there's only like three characters there's not any there's no female characters in the second episode which is unfortunate it's very that's right and it's not to say that um, you know there there aren't because obviously um, right Ming Na Wen is in the Mandalorian. Right. Um, and so is Gina Carano. She shows up in a couple episodes, I think, um, from now. Uh, so they and I th- and I believe there's one other female character that I don't remember the name of. Uh, that she shows up possibly as a love interest for the Mandalorian. There's okay. the shots we have of her in the trailer. They're very they look they look very close. Um, so we don't know. I don't think we know much about. Her that character um they've also been they've been super secret about the marketing of the mandalorian too of course so we've we've so we've seen the trailer and gina carano and ming na wen is are they're in that trailer um and but we but like we didn't know about baby yoda at all so like right there are surprises and they're they're supposed to be telling the also like hinting at the origin of the first order in this series so like interesting there's they're playing around with a lot in this series so i don't know where things are going especially because the baby yoda reveal just threw me completely off um you know like it's sort of i love that yeah i was just like oh this is taking a completely different approach than i thought it was um so i I, i'm yeah i'm bummed because i'm also bummed at myself because while i registered that there was only the female mandalorian like speaking role like I didn't I wasn't like actively like mad about it when I I, I, like it was only until I saw the criticisms of it that I was like oh yeah fuck that's there's only one character what the hell 
Right, which is like, you know, and I'm not like doing this to like call you it or anything. It's just like a discussion I've noticed. And I, I think it's just like in a, in a general way, like, you know, Star Wars has made progress, but it, it's very clear that like there is still definitely much more progress to be made. Like, yeah. just because we have Ray and Finn and Rose and, you know, Poe, just because like our new trio, there are no white men in the new trio. Like, doesn't mean that like Star Wars has like solved its diversity problems or anything. Of course, and, and know. the Mandalorian is a show run by John Favreau, and uh, like Dave Filoni is a big consulting partner on that. He directed the first episode. He was basically in charge of the Clone Wars and Rebels. Rebels. Um, so yeah. Uh, uh, so the two of them are, I wouldn't say co-show running because. They're trying to make it seem like it's John Favreau's show, but Dave Filoni right. has a lot of input into it. Um, who basically succeeded George Lucas as being like the handler of like the lore and like all that, um, as well as like the story group. So it's still a boys' club. Uh, Very much so. And I've, yeah, it's and I appreciate. I mean, Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian, needs a man of color, and it's like we have you know seen so far that Mandalorians by and large are people of color. I mean, Boba Fett is a person of color and, you know, all his, all the Django Fett and all the clones and all that nonsense, um, all people of color, um, cause they are all Maori. Um, and so Sabine Wren, who is a character in Rebels, she's a woman of color, um, voiced right, so by Tia like... Sirkar, who's in the, who's in The Good Place. Oh. Um, yeah. Wait, who uh, she play? Uh, in Rebels? No, in The Good Place. Uh, she plays... Oh, what's her name? She's the she's the character who's, like, a uh, good Eleanor. Quote-unquote good Eleanor. Before it's revealed that she's... Uh, Vicky. Her name's oh, Vicky. Vicky. Vicky, Vicky. So, like, demon Vicky. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fun! I didn't know that. Yeah, so... but But then we've also seen Mandalorians who or at least white passing. They've got, like, pale skin and blonde hair. Um, John Favreau actually voiced a Mandalorian character, and he was white. So there, there is um, diversity in terms of Mandalorians of who they are. But, like, by and large, like, the Mandalorians we've seen have been people of color actors. Yeah, um, which is great. And it's, like, you know, I'm not saying, like, Mandalorian, like, doesn't have a white male lead. Like, Pedro Pascal is the lead. Um, you know, the fact that we might not get to see him all the time if he's depending on how often he's wearing his helmet is another discussion but like you know it is it, it does feel somewhat telling that kind of all the new the new star wars content we're getting are all male-led um you know and even when even when there's diversity in that which is good uh you know i still want to see more women kind of at the helm of of star wars both behind the camera and in front of it um and I'm excited to check out The Mandalorian. I'm excited to read, like, catch up on the books that I haven't gotten to. Because um, I used to be a big EU reader. Um, and then yeah. I sort of fell off that. It became not canon. And now I've heard a lot of great things from you and Diana and other people about the new books. So, like, there are definitely on my to-read list. But, you know, I think it's just Star Wars is... Star Wars feels almost like kind of representative of the whole in that there is progress being made in it, but it is slow and there are still going to be steps backwards and there's still a lot of progress we made. And that can be said for like Hollywood at large. And so yeah. I think it's just kind of a sobering thought that like, you know, again, just because our new trio is 
relatively diverse, like, doesn't mean, star, you know, we've solved diversity in Star Wars. Like, it just, it, it reminds me, like, there's still, still work to be done, still voices that we can, you know, lift up more. And, and, you know, I'd like to hope that, like, with all this new Star Wars content and stuff like Disney+, Plus, we will ideally get more of that in the future. I, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I'm speaking of books. I also just finished reading Resistance Reborn, which is the Rise of Skywalker prequel book, which is basically it bridges the gap between The Last Jedi and The Rise of Skywalker in terms of how the Resistance essentially reforms itself right. to, and regroups. Because at the end of Last Jedi, they were basically just all on the Millennium Falcon. Um, yeah. And I really like the story. It 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 brings in a lot of characters from the different novels and uh, does it in a way that you could pretty much like, there's like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to have read all the novels to understand what's happening. But uh, because I have, it's like a fun color on the book, which is like, Oh, I remember these characters from these past books and stuff. So um, it's really interesting to see how they're going to, if these characters that we have only seen in the books, if they are actually in the Rise of Skywalker, yeah. Um, but is Poe in this book? He's like the main character. <gasps> he's basically yeah. He there. There's several points point of view characters, and Poe is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Love me some Poe Dameron. Did you know I love Poe Dameron? Oh, never heard of. Never heard you say the word Poe before. Um, <laughs> just kidding. I know that Poe is like your favorite character. He's a great hero. Is Rose uh, in the book? Uh yes, uh Rose, Finn, and Ray are actually minor characters. Okay. They don't have a lot to do. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, Rose the least. Um, but Finn and Ray have conversations with Poe, and uh, Leia and Ray have uh, a couple conversations. Leia's Leia's also a point of view character. Um, ah, amazing. Our and general. And then uh, oh, uh, Wedge Antilles is too. Wedge! Oh my god, how old is that guy nowadays? Uh, Wedge would be around the same age as Leia, so in his 50s. Okay. Um, because he was a major character in Aftermath. Also, yeah. uh, Nora Wexley, who is Snap Wexley's mother. She was a she was a rebel. A rebel um, and they have all those adventures in the Aftermath books, and so they're brought on board in Resistance Reborn to basically help out the Resistance Um and it's really fun to see them like now that they're old, 30 years later, um, they're like it they you know, they're like the kindly old grandparents coming in to help. Um, yeah, but they're I also badasses that. still. Ugh, um, I really hope we get more of Rose in Rise of Skywalker. I know she won't be like a main main character, but I hope we get more of her because I feel like Rose just really got the short end of the stick in The Last Jedi in terms of fans. And not there was the racism of it all which was terrible there were also people who were like who really loved last jedi and still didn't like rose and i think i think a lot of people really misunderstood rose's character in the last jedi and i think ryan johnson actually did like a really great job with her um and yeah. kind of understanding and explaining her motivations as a very new character and getting to know rose and i actually really love her and what she represents and what pushes her to be part of the resistance and so I just hope we get to see more of her in Rise of Skywalker, because I think Rose Tico is just wonderful. And I love her. I I agree. And I think she will, because I, re- I, me- I remember there seeing, like, 
uh, Force Friday stuff, like, she's, like, now, like, a commander in the Resistance, oh, and not just, like... I'm proud of her. She's, like, co- like a commander of, like, the Engineer Corps, so she's, like, in charge of them, uh, which makes sense, because, like, at the end of Last Jedi, there's only, like, so many people, right. so the people who are already there are going to be, like, the ones in charge. Right. Um, so, like, yeah, Resistance Reborn was really cool. I really enjoyed that novel. The Mandalorian, as we discussed, has its diversity issues. Um, but as a storyteller, or as a story, it is, I, I really enjoy it. I really, the, the action's well done. It's well directed. Um, the dialogue, it's like, it's like, it's, I mean, we, we're, we're saying that, like, you know, these aren't challenging the ideas of Star Wars, but they are, they still like these, what this content still feels like Star Wars. Right. Um, so like the Mandalorian definitely feels like it's like an interesting thing to be like, we're going to, we're going to do a whole series on one person. And it's definitely the test for the Cassian Andor uh, series, the Obi-Wan right. series. Um, and was there one more? Did they announce another one? I can't remember. There's too much. Content. I can't remember. There's, they've announced so much, There's but, so much. um, but I also have been playing. This is this is me talking a lot. I apologize. Uh, we've. Uh, I also started uh, playing uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is the newest console game from Star Wars. It is a single-player, story-driven uh, uh, video game. I don't know why I blanked on that phrase. Um, <laughs> It's more in line with the Force Unleashed than Battlefront because Battlefront okay. was like an online multiplayer. Right. Multiplayer. Um, it also, uh, just like the Force Unleashed, takes place during the dark times, um, after the the fall of the Republic, just a couple years after that. And it, um, it is about Cal Kestis, who is the ginger jedi the ginger jedi so so here's we don't get a female leave in this game but we do get representation for you gingers out there here's the thing i am a straight white cis man of a christian faith background i am the number one target for everyone's demographics so when i say i'm excited about the fact that there's a ginger jedi main character it is not because i don't want a female lead or a person of color in the lead. I want that. I really wish that you had character customization. At the same time, gingers are never a main character of anything as well. It's true. It's, it's true. Not, it's we've got Archie and that's it. Uh-huh. Right. And like and for anyone listening, like Willoughby here is not comparing like gender representation to like representation of like women or queer people or people of color. Like not he's not saying they're the same. But I mean, you know, it's everyone deserves to see themselves, and you know, we've never had a ginger Jedi, and that's really exciting. I mean, we did have Obi Wan, but Obi Wan's hair has always been in fluctuation of color. He's like a sandy blonde. Yeah, like in the in the Clone Wars show, they definitely color his hair as red, which I appreciate. But <laughs> like Ewan McGregor's hair in the movies themselves are always a little, it's a not little, uh, it's not ginger. It's like it's like dark. It's like not even dark red. It's this weird, hard to tell, fluctuating it's a, color. It's a blonde. It's like a dirty sandy yeah. blonde. Yeah, with like a hint of rouge. Um, but yeah, no. So like, like the actor who plays Cal Kestis is mocapped, um, for it, 
and he played the Joker, I want to say, in Gotham. So, like, he's... Oh, that kid! Yeah! Um, so, yeah, so, you know, we got... We're, there's a lot of psychopaths with ginger characters. Um, <laughs> You're like, I need someone good on my side. You need someone... I need someone who's not a bully or the, like, the best friend sidekick who is, like, a, you know... Not Ron Weasley, because Ron Weasley's great, but, like, the stereotypical, like, Ron. ginger best friend who is just, yeah. like, a dope. Yeah. Um, so I, and, like, I like the story that's being told so far. He's, like, he basically, after the Jedi Purge, like, went to, a, like, a, a, like, a scrapper planet to basically become, like, a scrapper junkyard guy, and then he had to escape. And uh, he was escaped, he, he escaped um, via... Uh, a character named Seer, who is a black female Jedi or a former Jedi. So she's sort of her his mentor in this story. Um, and we get we get flashbacks to his past master, who was uh, the same alien species as um, Zeb in Rebels, who was a Lasat, a big like eight foot tall purple Wookie t- character, Wookie type cool. character. He's actually the 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 Lasat character uh, species is actually the original design for Chewbacca, just colored purple instead of green, uh, which is a little bit of fun cool. fact there. Oh, so when you teach me fun Star Wars lore and trivia. Yeah, it's I I like when they get to reuse like uh, concept art that they haven't fully dealt like dived into with yet. Um, we're actually seeing that with the Rise of Skywalker, the Emperor's throne. That we see very glim- a brief glimpse of in the trailer is actually a concept art for his throne from Return of the Jedi that was never used. Uh, so they're they're going back deep into the Macquarie well, the the, the Macquarie quarry, uh, to get some uh, good fun concept out. Um, I but yeah, Jedi Fallen Jedi Fallen Order is really cool <clears throat> in terms of its gameplay. It's got like puzzles to like solve, and there's a lot of like wall crawling like uh assassin's creed um but you're basically on a mission to like any jedi during the dark times rebuild the jedi order uh which is sort of the the um you know the one thing that either survive or rebuild so uh you get there's a lot of fun chopping down stormtroopers um (laughs) i love Chopping down Nazis. Yeah. And it's really cool because, like, Cal seems to be someone who's tried to distance himself from being a Jedi, in in part because of survival, but also he had a traumatic event that sort of almost disconnected himself from the Force. Um, So it's also about um, rehabilitating oneself uh, throughout the game. And, like, you basically... The conceit of it is as you retain more connection to the force you also gain more abilities so like you don't start out essentially doing using any force powers but then uh now i know how to walk walk wall run which is like you know wall running on the wall and then also uh force pushing so over time you develop more you also have a really cute droid friend who helps you like slice into computers and give you health packs and he's really cool his name is bd1 that's really cute. This game sounds fun. I mean, I'll I'll probably check it out at some point. Um, yeah. The the like I want to go back to the part 
like he doesn't have to be a white man. He could be a customized character. He could be a person of color in the main role. He could be a woman. He could be like it doesn't have to be right. Cal Castus from Northern England. Like he's he could he could be anybody. He didn't right. have and to I be a white that, man. I think that's sometimes people's frustrations is that like right nothing mandates you know the fact that like all these lead characters must be men um and so i think you know that's just some fans frustrations is you know and mine included that you know like i want to see more women kind of leading these these stories in, in the various formats you know the books video games shows whatever you know just in general there's there's always room to put more people as the heroes of these stories um so hopefully we just get that more in the future um yeah. I think I think I I have hope, and I've talked about this on the podcast before. That with Disney Plus, they're able to do a lot more in terms of character yeah. inclusion. Yeah. Because at least with the movies, you know, it's only a two-hour runtime, and if they're telling the story they're telling, and if it's unfortunately not character inclusive, that's a bummer. Right. But I'm hoping with like now that they've they've launched three like stories they're already doing a season two of the mandalorian like they you can have anybody show up in these in these shows like um so i really hope that they take that lesson or at least learn from any their their, the critics i yeah it's it's unfortunate but i'm also like it's star wars season it's star wars it's star wars and we're excited about that um all right, let's wrap up our, you know, shoot the shit episode. Um, I want to, I have one final question and you can just answer it yes or no. We don't need to delve super into it if you don't want to. Um, we're going to turn the table to uh, my favorite white people. So spoilers for Succession season two, but I just need to know. There it is. Yep, yep, we're talking about succession. We're going to end the episode with succession. Um, Again, brief. I promise I will not bore all of you with my love of the Roys. Um, Willoughby, you are all caught up? Yeah. Okay. I just, I just, I want your opinion since this is, you know, the dividing thing right now. So at the end of season two, spoilers again, Kendall goes and makes a move against his father, Logan Roy, throws him completely under the bus. Um, yeah. Instead of being the sacrificial lamb, which kind of was the presumed intention. Um, so now the debate is, and I want to know what you think. Did Logan know Kendall was going to do that? Oh, I haven't had to answer this question yet. Now you do. I think yes. That's where I am. And maybe... Maybe Kendall has some stuff up his sleeve that Logan doesn't know about. Still, I'm not going to say that, like, Logan isn't worth rating all of it. I think Kendall definitely has his own selfish intentions at hand. Um, But based on conversations that happen in the finale and stuff and Logan's expression, I think that Kendall's move was not quite as, like, bombshell as some people thought it was. People who weren't fully aware of, like, the behind the scenes ongoing. So I think that Logan maybe knew something, if not everything. Um, and that season three will be a really fun ride. Just a season yeah. three. I think, yeah, I I'll, I'll just say that if 
they play it really vague because he smiles at the end very like knowingly but it could also be a smile of well i didn't see this coming but i'm excited about it right like my son is finally like taking this step and i'm i'm like in a weird way proud of him um right yeah so i think it could go both ways um and i'm excited to see where it does go but yeah i i think that logan definitely knows something yeah. um and well, that it wasn't like, a complete blind side succession has really smart dialogue so when uh uh like logan said something to kendall that was very like you're not a killer he right. said that very 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 like pointedly mm-hmm. so i think that that is that that leads me to believe that logan knew that kendall was going to betray him right to basically yeah. say like i know you're not a killer wink Right. I, I, that conversation made me believe that Logan knew what was going on as well. Um, okay. I just wanted to get your two cents on that and also just mention the fact that, once again, I love Succession, especially on TV. Kenderoy is my child, and I love him very much. So, and I'm not going to stop talking about this. And if you guys are tired of it, too bad. Succession is everything. Um, so since we just talked about a lot of random things that we've been enjoying and consuming recently, do you have a really like for this week? Nothing really too much. I will say yesterday, my girlfriend and I took a bus up to New York City and we went to Anime NYC, which was at the Javits Center. Um, We spent a day uh, hanging out with friends, buying a bunch of fun merchandise, um, walking around, seeing all the cosplay. And then at the end of the day, took a bus back home. And now and so it was like a one day trip. It was really uh, it was a lot. There was we we had like a 15 hour day, but it was still like a lot of fun. Um, and I got some, I got some good Pikachu uh, stickers and stuff that I uh, stuck on my uh, on my coffee pot because Detective Pikachu loves his coffee. He loves his coffee. Um, yeah. yeah, I won't do like we won't do a formal really like section. I will just say um, I, that I saw the new Charlie's Angels last night and I loved it. And people can talk all they want about how it's just like Hollywood corporate feminism. And sure, it is all of that. You know exactly what you're getting with this movie. I do not care. I loved it. It was so fun. Kristen Stewart has had the most fun she has ever had doing a movie, and it's amazing to see. Um, I mean, I've always loved her as an actress, but, like, she's just, like, living her best life in this movie. All three of the main girls, Naomi Scott and Ella Belinsky, they're all so great. I already cannot wait for a sequel. I love that the movie has a lot of throwbacks to old Charlie's Angels, both the TV show and the movies that I grew up on from the early 2000s with uh, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and Lucy Liu. So... It feels just very much like, you know, instead of being like, this is the new Charlie's Angels, like, ignore the rest. Like, this is the new one. It's like, no, like, this is all very much part of franchise and, like, paying history to the women who came before them. And it's just a lot of fun. And the main girls, main women have great chemistry. And I am like, all right, sequel. Give me the sequel. I want it. Um, So I love Charlie's Angels. I don't care if it is cash grab feminism. Um, because I feel like there was also genuine intent behind it and genuine love for, you know, highlighting women. So I think that, you know, Hollywood might be a cash grab, but I think people involved really did believe in it and it came across and I loved it. So I'm pumped for Charlie's Angels. It was directed by Elizabeth Banks, right? Yes. That's cool. She's great. Yeah. And she, she's great in it. Her directing is good and like her character is great. So like, and it, it really feels, I think, you know, it really feels like Elizabeth Banks did this project, again, out of a genuine love of the mm-hmm. story 
and wanting to just have more women front and center on the big screen. Um, and like I said, you know, she doesn't dismiss the past angels. She very much includes them. And it's like all of these women, like, you know, this one very much expands the idea of, of the Townsend agency and angels and that there are numerous angels behind, beyond our main trio. And that like, so like all women are working together and like saving the day. So. I oh, so it's, it's very, it's very Buffy season seven. Yes. Cool. Yes. And it, it's great. So I loved it. Go see it. Um, yeah. So that's our episode. Just chatting about whatever. Um, if you guys want to come chat with us about any of this or anything that you're consuming and liking right now, uh, things that you've been enjoying, uh, come do that. And where can they chat with us, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. And you can rate, review, subscribe, and listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And where can I find you, Anya, on the internet? You can find me at Anya Crittenton. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us. Bye.